Uh, someone asked me very recently, what has God been speaking to you? And I feel like a parent today, even in my sermon, because I feel like I'm repeating myself. I feel like this is something that, that we've talked about, but, but what God is speaking to me wholeheartedly about is about the reality of the potential inside of each one of us. That inside of each one of us, God's got something great that he's waiting to birth. My, my seed update. So our family, we cheated, and we took nine pumpkin seeds, okay, just because I'm the pastor. I can do that kind of stuff. Um, and eight of our nine seeds have sprouted. So if you haven't planted your pumpkin seed, get them in the ground. But, but eight of our nine seeds have sprouted, so we're seeing some growth. But remember, I talked about the potential of a seed. And, and in that sermon, I looked at the story of Abraham. And just the promises that God had made to him. And sometimes we see those promises and we think, man, that's pretty crazy. God's never taken me outside and told me to look up at the stars and I would have descendants as numerous as the stars. There's nothing that will change your life quite as much as having a child. That's what Abraham's promise from God was. I mean, it was a big deal. The seed was a big seed. Last week we had a missionary with us, Brian Davis, if if you were here, and, and he shared his heart about what God is doing. And um, he, he shared a story that I want to reiterate because uh, it's profound. I mean, talk about big seeds, big impact. Uh, about eight years ago, nine years ago, uh, we were able to collect some funds so he could put a well outside of a school. And while they were digging the well, he said that someone gave their life to the Lord. Like one of the workers that was digging the well gave their life Lord, I mean, that's something profound that causes major impact. But then he sent me an email last week that I think sometimes it might be something simple that we take for granted. And we often take up an offering for our missionaries when they come, and we show in their investment, and sometimes I think we think that our giving isn't that big of a deal. He was telling me while he was here that he wanted to go back to Senegal, but the problem he was facing was the reality that the ticket prices were through the roof. And so we took up an offering and gave it to him. He sent me an email, and it said this, if I can find it. He said, I want to extend a very special word of appreciation for the generous offering. It's within $5 of the amount of the ticket to Senegal I just bought before coming to Crawford. I was so surprised at the cost of air travel, I almost didn't purchase the ticket. But it is important for me to return for a visit before the school year starts and the radio station opens. God does incredible things when we're willing to be used by him. I mean, that's cool when you get a report that we gave an offering, it was generous, yes, but it, it came within $5 of the ticket that was a major struggle for him that he stepped out in faith probably the week or two before he was here to buy, and God met that need because of a simple thing like an offering. I believe that there is potential that God has things that he wants to do. He wants to do really cool things in the profound things like digging a well for a missionary in Africa or the simple things like giving in an offering in a church when, when, when sometimes we wonder why. But God has potential to do incredible things in the profound and even in the simplest moments of life. I want to share a story and and for most of you, this will be a recap. For some, maybe it'll be something new. But we're going to be in the book of Genesis today. Again, we looked at a story of a profound act. That was Abraham and the promise of God. Today, we're going to look at the story of Joseph in Genesis again. And in his story, he's got some real profound moments. 
But I want to come to the simplest moment, one of the simplest moments in his life and how God transformed things. I'm going to pray, God, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in your word. I thank you that we can gather together and learn together. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. We pray for your presence in our lives. We ask, God, that in these next few moments we would be yielded to you and your spirit would illuminate truths to us. Help us to hear. God, help us to submit ourselves to you so that you can speak and you can do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story of Joseph, we're going to recap. It's, it's about 13 chapters in Scripture, and we'd be here all day if we preached every chapter, but we're going to recap his story. So he was Jacob's 11th son. Uh, he was the first one born to Rachel, and remember that Scripture tells us that he was loved more by his father. It says that very clearly in Scripture. Now, you got picture this. you got 12 brothers, and one of them's loved more by dad. He's loved so much that dad gives him. We, we know Joseph and the amazing Technicolor, Dreamcoat, or whatever the, the musical is. Dad gives him a well-ornamented coat. Now, I'll tell you what. You want to you wanna get your brothers upset. Let them know that Dad loves you more and then wear that jacket that he gave you. It was well ornamented so you couldn't miss his jacket. That's who Joseph is. So then, because he's a 17-year-old boy, God gives him dreams. Man, whatever you want to say, I don't know. The older I get, the more like a boy it seems, but that's besides the point. 17-year-olds, God gives him dreams. These dreams basically when they're interpreted, mean that, that Joseph will rule over his family one day. So he just goes and tells them. I mean, if the coat wasn't enough, now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to rule over you. So, this is a profound statement. His brothers, they don't like him. This is a story. They don't like him. And so they're out working. Uh, uh, the place that they are, it's, you know, about 65 miles from home is where they're at. Joseph is sent to join his brothers to do work. And as he's approaching, he's wearing that well-ornamented coat, and they can see it from miles away. His brothers see him coming with his coat on. And so what happens? It triggers them. We see it in Scripture. They get triggered. Joseph's coming. We don't like him. We're 65 miles from home. Let's take care of our problem. So his brothers, they plot to kill him. They make a plan to kill him, but they decide that's too much. They take his coat, they throw him in a cistern to let him die there. And then that just happens that there's some traitors that come by. Some, some Midianite traitors are coming by, so rather than kill him, let's make some money on this deal. So they sell Joseph to some slave traders. He's sold into slavery. He goes to Egypt, and he's sold again to Potiphar. Now, I want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. Yeah, he was an arrogant 17-year-old that probably ran his mouth a little bit about some dreams and his brothers didn't like him because dad loved him most. I get it. But he's been sold now not once but twice, sold into slavery. How are you going to carry yourself in that moment? I'll tell you what, I'm going to be a little stubborn. I know me. I don't submit very well to people. I know me. <laughs> if I'm not happy where I'm at, no one else is going to be happy either. You know what I'm saying? So, Joseph's 
story. Let's look at his story. In Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 through 5. In these verses, they, they might seem simple, but I want you to read in between the lines or read the lines that are there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Verse 3. When his master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, uh, from that time, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both the house and the field. Now we might read that and say, what's the big deal? Now I get stuck in verse 3, when his master saw that the Lord was with him. Now, do you ever want to read the scripture and say, pause, like I want to see that moment? So I read that, and I start to say, what did Potiphar see in Joseph? Like, I wish I could have the window into Joseph's life in this moment. What is Potiphar seeing? Because I think if it was something profound... If it was something remarkable, we would have heard the story of what Joseph did that, that Potiphar saw. You know, like he, he laid hands on a, on, on a dead kid and the kid was raised to life or, or whatever he touched turned to gold. I mean, we would have seen that in Scripture. My supposition, my, my inference from that verse is that Potiphar was looking at someone who was living in, in authenticity. And so because of what he saw in Joseph, he probably recognized a 17-year-old, 18-year-old boy that had every right to be upset with where he is, but was living a life that honored God. When he saw, when the master saw that the Lord was with him and gave him success in everything he did, he saw someone who was living in the everyday moments in authenticity. His life was a reflection of his relationship or his trust in God. It wasn't a profound thing that caused Potiphar to want to, to engage in, in Joseph, to be drawn to him. It was the simple things of everyday life that he said, there's something peculiar about this one. There's something different about him. And I just want to press into that. I don't know why, but I'm going to put him in charge of things. God seems to bless him. Maybe he'll bless me. He saw something in Joseph's life that compelled him. I want to talk about the, the potential or the significance of the simple things. Because now Joseph's life, it's getting back on track, right? He's at Potiphar's. Uh, he gets put in charge of things. Things are going well. Things are going too well. He's a striking young man. I mean, we all can relate, right, guys? When we had hair. Roy, you know what I'm talking about. And Potiphar's wife sees this striking young man and she tries to seduce him. And he runs off. And what does he leave behind? His coat. And, and she uses his coat to say he was here and he tried to take advantage of me and then he gets thrown into jail again. That moment in the scripture just just speaks to me. This is a sidebar. 
This is the second time Joseph's identity has been stripped of him. In the scripture, the cloak often is your identity. In the New Testament, beggars, their cloak was their license to beg. It was their ability to beg. Your your cloak, what you were adorned with, was absolutely your identity. It's interesting, it's compelling to me that, that Joseph's brothers, they stole his cloak, and then that Potiphar's wife, she, she, or he left it behind. His cloak was left behind. So twice now, he's been stripped of his identity. So he's been sold into slavery. He's been sold again to Potiphar. Now he is accused falsely of taking advantage of Potiphar's wife. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So then he's put in prison again. Or, or he's put in prison now. Sorry, not again. He's put in prison. But again, they see something peculiar in his life. Now I said, now I can imagine when he gets to Potiphar's house, he's a grumpy kid. Now what happens when you get put in prison for something you didn't do? I'm going to run my mouth. I'm going to be obstinate. I'm going to be peculiar in all the wrong ways. And people around me probably are going to tell that I'm a grumpy individual. That's the flesh in me. Joseph, I said, there's something about his life. There's something about the way he carries himself. He was put in prison. The scripture says the Lord was with him, showed him kindness, and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I just wonder, I want a picture of what Joseph does. Potiphar saw something unique in him, in the way he carried himself. When he was sentenced to prison, the warden of the prison saw something unique in him, in the way he carried himself. And I want to say, that the story continues, that, that he's in prison and he's asked to do something real simple. It's always asked. He's put in charge of prisoners. There's a cup baker and a baker to Pharaoh that are sent to prison. And one day, those two gentlemen, uh, they, they, they have a dream and they wake up. I'll read this. Genesis chapter 40. I want to get to the simplicity. There's one verse in here that is, everything is built on in my sermon. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. Verse 6. So when, or when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. There's significance in simple acts. There's potential in everyday moments. And what Joseph does in this next verse changes the course of two nations. It sets the ability for Joseph to be used by God to literally deliver a nation or two out of famine and starvation. I mean, talk about the, the result of his life. I want to tell you how significant this moment was. What a powerful moment. They came to him. It says that he saw that they were dejected. How many times in life have you seen that people are dejected? 
So, yes, Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? I'll tell you there's significance in the simple acts. Joseph was in prison unjustly in a land that was not his own because his brothers had sold him into slavery. He'd been sold twice, falsely accused. He took a moment because he saw a need. Why are you so sad today? There's significance in the simple things we do. Joseph, he had every right. I mean, these are, the, these are king's attendants. I'm going to be hard on them. They've had a good life. They're down here. I mean, they're associated with the king. I'm going to be rough on them. He's put in charge of them. He shows them compassion. He takes a moment to listen to them. He sees there's something wrong with them. And he says, hey, what's the deal? Let me hear your story. So they tell him about the dreams they had. They were troubled. Uh, they turns out good for one and not so good for the other. He interprets the dreams, tells them what they mean. Uh, one of them's going to die. One of them's going to live and be restored. He tells them that everything is fine. Fast forward a little bit in his story. Two years past, the cupbaker has forgot about what Joseph did. That simple act that he did for two years. And then Pharaoh has a dream that troubles him, and he remembers this kid that was in prison, and he calls him out to interpret Pharaoh's dream. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. He finds favor in Pharaoh's eyes, and and he's put in charge of everything. He says there's going to be seven years of famine, or seven years of good, and then seven years of famine. This is the fast-forward version. And for those seven years, he's allowed to store up what they need, so he stores up enough, not just for Egypt, but for his brothers. The restoration comes. His brothers come because they're hungry. He reveals himself. In a grand way, he sets free Egypt and Israel. And it was all began because he was living an authentic life when he was in prison and took a moment with one man or two men to say, what's wrong with you today? God is speaking to me as a pastor about potential. About the potential that's inside of us. So often... We limit the things of God based on the profound moments like I'm going to go, go preach a, a sermon or I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go dig a well or I'm going to go do that. We, we say God will use us if we're like Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. But I believe that God wants to use us in the everyday moments of our lives. I believe that he's presenting us in moments where we see people who are deeply troubled that just need someone to recognize, that just need someone to stop Look them in the eye and say, what's wrong with you today? People that are willing to listen to God and and be directed by His Spirit when it comes to the needs that are around them and take a moment just to do what God wants to do. Not the giant profound things. Yeah, God moves in the profound, but He also moves in the simple. And sometimes, Joseph's life shows me that when I'm good in the simple... He brings me to the profound. I mean, it's pretty profound to be put in charge of Egypt and be able to gather up everything. But he got there because he was living, led by the Spirit in the everyday. Spirit, lead me. 
the significance of a simple act in the New Testament. Now, these are probably, these seem like profound moments. Paul is on fire. Like he's, he, you remember his, he's blind and God changed him on the road to Damascus. Saul became Paul. He's on fire for God. He wants to go wherever he can go to tell people about Jesus. I mean, he's got a, a spark in him. His spark is so great. In the beginning of Acts chapter 16, he goes to a young man and he says, hey, there's one problem to us spreading the gospel. There's one problem to us, Timothy, in being able to go and minister. And that problem is you're not circumcised. So, young man, if you want to come with us and minister with us, you've got to be circumcised. Now, I tell you what, it takes boldness to ask some guy to be circumcised to be able to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's where he was at. Acts 16, read it, 1 through like 5. Timothy, you've got to be circumcised to come with us. I mean, he's on fire, wants to be led by God. Nothing's going to stop him from doing what he wants to do. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, that seems peculiar. He said, Spirit, leave me. Paul is excited. He wants to go to Asia, and the Spirit of God does what? No, not there. Okay, okay. So, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. This is twice. Paul just wants to do the work of God, and he's trying to do the profound things. But the Spirit of God is leading him. So they passed by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul was living a spirit-empowered life. Why am I sharing this when I'm talking about Joseph? A few weeks ago here at church, we talked about potential. We talked about the potential that God has placed inside of us through his Holy Spirit, that when we became children of God, we became a temple of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. We should be led by the Holy Spirit. Paul wanted to share the gospel wherever he could go. He convinced Timothy to get circumcised so they could share the good news of Jesus Christ. And God said, no. The Spirit said, don't go into Asia. The Spirit said, don't go here. But the reality that he lived in was that God then spoke to him, go to Macedonia. He was able to take the good news to an entirely different continent. Because the Spirit led him. Church, I believe. I know that God wants to do incredible things in our lives. I know that inside of us, he's placed incredible potential. David prays in Psalm chapter 143, Spirit, lead me. Paul lived a Spirit-led life. We can have all the potential in the world, but if we don't sow where God intends for us to sow, if we don't do what God intends for us to do, we're never going to reap the harvest that he intends. Church, I encourage you to press into the significance of the simple moments. There was a boy in a crowd in the Gospels where there's all these people and they're trying to figure out the, how to feed them all. And he says, hey, I've got five loaves of bread and two fish. And because of his simple offering, God did something significant. 
I believe that God has ordained simple moments in your life that he will use for eternal impact. He may deliver entire nations because you're listening to his voice in the simple moments. You can come up here. I was pointing at my wife, unless anybody else wanted to come up. James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But that wisdom comes from heaven and is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I believe that God has a harvest of righteousness if we will allow our lives to be guided by wisdom. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, direct me. My prayer is that in this next week, in these next months, that you'll have moments of simplicity, moments that don't seem to be that valuable. But God will use those moments to set the precedent for you to be able to do the incredible things. Joseph lived this life. He lived a life, uh, when he learned humility, he lived a life that, that, that produced fruit. you ever seen someone with all the potential in the world that just wouldn't do anything? When you looked at them, they were smart enough, they were talented enough, but they just wouldn't do it. They had all the potential in the world. I believe God is sees you with all the potential in the world. And there's opportunities that you have every day to show that potential, to bring that potential to life. But we don't do it. My heart, what has God been speaking to me? What do I want to see? I want to see the Spirit of God who He's placed inside of us give us the wisdom to be used by God, to make kingdom impact. God, I thank you this morning for this word. I thank you, God, for the word that you've been speaking to my heart for months. That you keep bringing me back to. So that like kids, maybe we hear the third, the fourth time. And Spirit of God, I pray in the beginning of this message that you would guide our hearts and minds. In these next few moments, I pray, Spirit, lead us. 
not just in those profound or powerful moments, but in the simplest of actions. When we're busy or discouraged or down, Help us to see the needs around us. When we're presented the opportunity in someone we can see, we know that they just need someone to encourage them. Speak to us, Lord, that we could encourage them. So that we can see, God, the fullness of the harvest that you intend. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask Pam to lead us in a chorus. And when she gets to the, to the chorus of this song, it says, Spirit, lead me or lead us where our trust is without borders. I encourage you to begin to pray and to God, what can I do? God, how can you use me? What are ways, maybe it is profound today, the, 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 the ideas he's placing on you, but what are the simple things that I can do? How can I live a life that is authentic. Spirit of God, show me when I'm not being who I need to be. This wasn't for show. During worship, I felt like I had to leave the sanctuary and apologize to my kids for the father that I was this morning. Why? Because I want to be authentic to my kids. I want them to see a life that is, that is true day by day, moment by moment. Because I want to see a harvest in their lives. I believe that the Spirit of God can speak to you the simplest of things. And they may have an eternal impact that you never know. I don't think Joseph had any clue when he saw those two bums that were upset that when he interpreted their dreams, it would change the course of of two nations. But, Brian said last week, God did what only God could do. God wants to use you for something remarkable in His kingdom. God wants to use you in the simplicity and in the profound. In the day-to-day and in the once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. Because He's placed His Spirit inside of you that make your words powerful and effective. That makes your actions seasoned by His love, revelations of His grace. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may his spirit lead you in the profound and in the simple. Yes. Greg wants to share something real quick. guys in the story today that Joseph saw that was downtrodden. (laughs) And it doesn't seem like a big thing, probably what Joseph did, but when you're that person, it's a big thing. It's a big thing for somebody to come and burn your garbage when you can't. You can't. It's a big thing for somebody to mow your lawn when you can't. 
the big thing when somebody takes salt to your cows when you can't, when they pray for you when you can't pray for yourself. And I don't know what the internal impact is, but I've been feeling this sermon. I've lived this sermon the last couple of weeks. And you guys are the Josephs in my life. And my neighbors and my family have been that. And I just thank you beyond, and you are living that. It's not, I agree, Pastor's thing is we need to do more. But you're doing it, because you're doing it to me. Amen. You've done it to me and my family. And I just thank you for that, and, and just praise God for you all. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. That potential to touch a life is inside of us. Just don't miss those moments. And we don't miss them when we listen to his spirit. Learn his voice. Recognize his nudging. So when he says, hey, uh, give them a call, (laughs) that might be the hardest thing to do. Pick up your phone and dial your phone. Send them a text. Okay, I can do that. Listen to the spirit of God. He's speaking. He's telling us. He'll guide and direct you. You don't know what to do. Ask him. Let him show you. And then do, and you can see lives that are impacted. It is absolutely eternal. Amen? Be blessed.